0: Happy Holidays from everyone here at Exvoyant and the Sales Leadership Podcast. 2019 was an incredible year filled with success stories, challenges, and opportunities. I was excited to feature some of the most successful sales leaders from around the world, and I'm so grateful that our show has made a difference to so many of you. I appreciate the feedback and the kind words. Please keep it coming. On a few occasions, we've re-released some of our first episodes of the podcast, episodes when we didn't have such a large listener base, Those first 10 episodes featured some of the best minds in sales, and many of you haven't had the opportunity to hear those those conversations. So as a special holiday gift to each of you, we are re-releasing episode number five featuring Mark Smith. This episode was released nearly a year and a half ago, and since then, a lot has changed. Mark is now running sales for Frontpoint and having massive success with the same blueprint he shared on the podcast. One of the things that hasn't changed is Mark is still one of the most fantastic sales leaders you'll ever have the opportunity to listen to. The focus of our conversation that day was the importance of trust and why sales leaders need to earn trust with every rep on their team. We're facing a sales leadership crisis right now. Going into 2020, one of the most important things for you to get right as a sales leader is how you overcome this crisis. Turnover is in excess of 30% as salespeople search for uh, people worth working for. Mark will tell you in this episode about how he never asks for trust, but he's very focused on developing it and he gets it over and over again. This blueprint and how Mark builds trust is a must listen for anyone leading salespeople or those that aspire to do so. So as a special gift to each of you this holiday season, please enjoy this conversation with one of the best sales leaders I've ever met in my life, Mark Smith. Happy selling. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team. We showcase sales leaders that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth tactics and practices. Today, we are in for a real treat. Mark Smith is the VP of Sales for Wamply. Now, Mark has engineered a high-growth SaaS sales team that is smoking all of its growth targets. Not only is he turning heads with the performance of his amazing team, but he has turned a lot of people's heads with his no-nonsense approach to leadership. I cannot tell you how excited I am to have this dude on our show, Mark. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you?
1: Uh, I'm quite well. Although, uh, now with that introduction, I, I guess I have to live up to the hype.
0: <laughs> if, there's Hopefully thing, I can. if there's one thing I know about you, bro, you'll over deliver. <laughs>
1: okay. <I'm, laughs> hey. Honestly though, I'm honored to be invited. I, you've had some really special guests and I was actually just talking to uh, a colleague of mine and so I'm about to be interviewed by somebody who runs circles around me. So, hopefully,
0: uh, I'll be able to live up to it. Whatever, dude. Let's, let's get to it, man. Sure. Listen, you're doing awesome things at Womply. For those of us that are, that are tuning in as regular guests, can you just give us the quick overview on Womply and, and, you know, the high level story on Womply and what you're doing there? Sure. So Womply, uh, we focus 100% on small businesses. We
1: have a, a suite of software products that we distribute, uh, through a partnership okay. base and also through, uh, inside sales. So, our official uh, mission statement is that we help small businesses thrive in a digital world. Uh, more plainly, I wake up every single day, and I do nothing but help American small businesses achieve their dreams, and uh, and I get to help my employees achieve theirs in the process. Um, you know, I've done a lot of different types of sales. Uh, a lot of people love enterprise sales or, or large ticket items. Those are great. Those are a lot of fun. But it's pretty cool that that when we do a good job, um, an American small business gets stronger and somebody who took a huge risk uh, to start that business and, and is worried about their employees and their products and their own family, we can just help them uh, get a little bit further along. So it's it's really, really rewarding. Uh, we've been around for about seven years, doing a lot of sales for about the last three. And I've been with Wompley, I think this is my 13th month.
0: That's crazy. I, I can't believe that because when I first met you, you know, we we started talking a few months ago and you were coming up on that 12, you were coming up on your year mark and you were sharing some of the growth. Uh, what you've done there, Mark, is remarkable. I've had the opportunity to listen to you talk. I've had a chance to watch some of your reps work. You've built a machine over there. Tip of the cap to the growth. I, I, is there any kind of growth that you can share? Things that have happened in the 13 months that you've been there?
1: Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing in, in a small, uh, well, in a startup business. But, you know, we've obviously had major growth in revenue and volume, but we also look for growth in, you know, the retention of our customer base and hmm. our employee satisfaction. And we've, we've really kind of broken records all the way across the board. Um, when I, when I started the first month, um, at Wampley, we did about 1500 new, new subscriptions. Wow. Um, and within six months, we were at just under 5,000 new subscriptions with about half of the staff. Are you uh, serious? Yeah. So th- that's why I always say it's, it's funny to answer the growth question because, you know, the revenue growth, it's just a number, right? Yep. You're, you're, you make more money, and we continue to, to grow our revenue. But that's actually not that interesting because there's a lot of things that you can do to grow revenue that kind of shroud – whether or not you're truly growing as an organization, and so um, the reason I joined Wamply, number one, I just love working with small businesses, but number two, mm-hmm. I, I I love to take you know really well-run kind of mid-sized sales organizations and show them that they could be exceptionally run. And honestly, one of the first things that happens is, is that we get smaller. Um, we we look at some back-end processes and different ways of routing leads or different ways of selling and different ways of you know, building people up and training them that you end up, um, honestly, unfortunately you lose some people because they struggle with change. Yep. Um, you get more efficient and you just have less people eating from the same cake. So, you know, I, will get it a little bit wrong, but the, the first full month that I was at Womply, I, I think that we did, let's call it 1500 new subscribers and we had about 110 reps and in November, I think we we're about forty six hundred subscribers, and we had like fifty reps um,
0: Wow, that's amazing, Mark
1: well, it's cool just because yeah. you know at the, at the same time you're tripling your volume, you're able to lower your costs you're able to um you know pass on savings to your customers while at the same time your employees are making far more money so you know it's it's a win for everybody um, and i you know i I don't take any great pleasure in managing a massive you know domain what i want to do is like have a good solid team that love what they do they're ethical they care about our customers they always want to work on their skills and you know if i can break records with 50 people great Uh, (laughs) if i can do it with 100 that's great um i just I, i don't think that headcount um or even revenue, it should be the number one sign of your growth. Um, there's, there's other things. And, you know, again, not to, not to go too far on this good question, but you know, we, we used to have a, an attrition issue with our customers. We churn too much. It's just been so exciting that every single month um, our churn numbers get better and better. and they've, they've never been better. Our customers have never been happier. Um, and, and that's, that's great because you can always put numbers on the board, but unless your businesses really are seeing value, there's, there's really no point in being in business.
0: Well, you guys have a killer product and I, and, and that's awesome. This is a great story. I love this, man. This is, this is like the uh, karate version of like you slow down to go fast, right? Yeah. And, yeah. So this is good. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about is we were prepared for this interview. You kind of attract uh, a, a lot of people's sacred cow. And I I love what you did. The whole setter closer model was something that was alive and well at Womply. And, you looked at that as something that you thought might be a place that you could do better and do differently and lead to growth. Could you talk about why that was something that you started with to accelerate growth? Sure. So I'm not against setter closer.
1: Um, we actually mm-hmm. use setter closer with one of our products. Uh, it has its place, but I don't know why it's become the default. Um, I think that it's actually really harming companies. I think it's harming reps as well. When when you it's it's like You know they tell you not to feed the lions at the zoo because they get domesticated, and it's the same thing when you when you take really good salespeople and you throw them into an environment where they get spoon-fed, they actually get worse at sales. They actually get less resilient. They are able to um, overcome things a lot less than they than they were. The other thing is just very expensive. So at at Womply, I thought, okay, well, if the whole point of setter closer is to increase contact rates and keep your closers busy, then there's other ways that I can increase contact rates. I don't necessarily have to use setters to do that. So we just made you know changes to technology, changes to, you know, the cadence at which we dial our leads and um, how quickly we dial our leads and how we route those. And we were able to see the same exact conversion rates, but only make our customer talk to one person. I, I don't think, I mean, I'll, I'll just speak for myself, but I don't think that customers enjoy the experience of being shuffled around. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just, this morning, I, I'd, uh, I took a meeting with a software company. We're looking at a certain technology. And, you know, their, their, their SDR uh, how did me for months. She did a phenomenal job. And she got me on the phone, which is, as you know, is oftentimes yeah, the most a- hard thing.
0: That's work, man, to get you yeah. on the phone.
1: And of course I was hoping just to speak with her and get to business. And the first thing I had to do was meet somebody brand new and I had to re-explain everything. And I just, it, it's just not a great experience. And if you can avoid it and you can keep your conversions up and your contacts up and, and I advocate that. So we did. We basically told them, we believe in you. We don't see any reason why you guys can't originate and close. We're going to provide to you the technology to do it. We're going to provide you the additional compensation because you're saving us money and we think we're going to have a much better experience. And honestly, we were nervous. I mean, every time you do one of these things, you are afraid that you're going to blow things up. It took all of like, I don't know, four hours for the team to adjust. I mean, it, and that's always how it goes. Like, it's always easier than you think it is. You just got to believe in your people. And, and obviously when their paychecks go up and they control their own quality, uh, they just become more more motivated and more tied to the customer.
0: So that's a big move, and you know, I, I've sp- I've spoken at conferences where I've been asked this question, and you said it in a way that I think is better than the way I said it. I once said that we're creating a, a generation of crippled salespeople because they're not learning; they just aren't able to find. They expect people to find for them, and that was loved and hated. You know, it was a one or a yeah. zero. And, um, so some people hate me for that. Some people like me for that. You made a change to move away from it for very specific business reasons, not because you're a hater or a lover. It's just the right business decision. Um, what are some things, cause I know that this is a thing we're seeing some research coming around on this. People, a lot of people are talking about this as someone who's gone through that change, anything that was particularly challenging or any kind of speed bumps that you might share with our listeners that might be considering making that change.
1: Well the first thing you got to do is use a spreadsheet I mean I, that's such a glib comment, but a lot of times you know i'll I'll help people out. they might come to my office and they want me to help them work through a certain strategy and we'll just look to the model and the model has to support it and a lot of times um, the model won't support the strategy that they want to do they're being far too optimistic in our in our case, the model supported it completely. We looked at the entire funnel we looked at ways that we would probably have some deficiencies pop up, for instance, and, in, you know, per rep productivity could go down because you're asking them to do a little bit more work. But if you can offset with that with conversion rates or contact rates, then you get a net positive. And so I, I'm a huge model guy. I want to sit down and I want to spend hours upon hours making sure that I've challenged all assumptions. So That's the first thing. The next thing I think is important is you just got to manage change. I mean, and that's that's hard. You gotta pull your team together and you gotta tell them that something that they were very comfortable with is gonna change. And you'll have early adopters that, you know, they've been thinking about it the entire time. You'll have detractors and you really have to manage them and let them know that their opinions matter, but we are gonna move forward. And you'll have that middle of the group that will go one way or the other. And so, you know, painting that credible, uh, totally transparent picture of why things are being done It's super important to manage that change. I I can tell you from managing thousands of sales reps, they're not stupid. They know when you lie to them. Mm. They know when you're just making it up, and it's just something that helps the company's bottom line. Um, But if you're fully transparent with them of the reasons why you're doing it, then almost everybody gets on board. Um, What stinks sometimes is you you can change strategies that you know deep down inside are going to expose some weaknesses of some people. And that you're going to struggle to, to help them change and you might lose them. But you just have to have the
0: courage to, to move forward. Um, go ahead. No, did this require you to hire some different people for your team? You know, the original time, no.
1: We definitely were able to make that switch pretty easily. Um, we recently, uh, added some more expensive products and we've had some, (laughs) we've had some difficulty, um, with, with some reps selling those. And honestly, I don't actually think that's a rep problem. I, I really think that's just – it's the way the things were set up for a few years. I mean, to use a baseball analogy, I mean, it's its not that hard to hit a 98-mile-an-hour fastball if that's all you see. If it just comes down the middle every time, you you make your adjustments and you can knock it out of the park every time. But if you have somebody doing one thing for three straight years and then you throw them a change-up yep. – it, it's it's not necessarily the reps' fault. It's just you train them to be a certain way and they found their level. So we do our absolute best to provide to them the support system so they can succeed while at the same time being courageous enough to say, listen, the, the company has to move forward. Our products have to move forward. We have to provide more value to our customers. And uh, we hope to keep everybody, but sometimes you can't. Now we do look for other tools like, you know, I'll, I'll plug, I'll plug you. I mean, you, <laughs> you know that we're, we're thrilled to start <clears> the <throat> exploit because we think that you've built probably the best framework for sales coaching that I've seen. And it's much better than anything I've ever done. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's an absolute no brainer. And so, uh, in fact, you know, like you and I spoke about earlier, we're, we're trying to move the timeline up. But that's the kind of thing that is super important. You can't just say, we're gonna make change and you need to get on board. You need to say, we're gonna make change. These are the reasons why. These are the tools that we're gonna, to give you to be successful. And we'll be with you every step of the way. If you guys put in the effort, we'll give you the support. And, uh, and then, and then at that point, you know, merit, merit wins out.
0: So, Mark, we're going off what the script when you and me put what we thought we talk about. It happens with every guest. Sure. Every guest, this happens. and That's why the show has been, been pretty good so far. I, you're taking me to a new place. It, it, this all is making sense on something I observed when I got to watch some of your guys and meet your team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clear that your team trusts you. It's clear that they do. And um, how important is having the members of your team? This is going to sound like a softball. I know you're a baseball guy. This is not a softball question. I mean, how do you have massive change and have everyone trust you that you've got them, you've got their interests at heart? How do you do that?
1: Um, it's because I never ask them for it, ever. In mm. fact, the first thing that when I bring on any new employee, the very first promise I make, them, we make five womply promises, is that I will never ask them to trust me. You know, those who talk about their honor are the the ones that you can't trust, right? So what I I tell them is, over a long period of time, they're going to see me make good decisions. And they're going to see me make decisions that are in the best interest of them, the company, and the customer. They're going to see me make aligned decisions. They're also going to see me make bad ones, and that I'm going to be humble. And then when they're bad, I'm going to identify them. I'm going to acknowledge it, and we're going to fix them. And what I tell them is, I'll never ask them to trust me, but I do believe that over a long period of time, they will. And, and I think it has worked for me.
0: Um, as a guy who's seen it, it absolutely has. But it seems to me that's got to be part of the, the fuel that allows you to make change and have people say, I'm in. I'm raising my hand. I'm in. Right. Yeah,
1: if they can't trust you, they're not following you. They're just not. I don't care what your resume looks like. I don't care how handsome you are or how slick-talking you are. Like we said earlier, they're not stupid. They understand when somebody's selling them a bill of goods. And so if you can get your team to trust you, they – and by the way, part of that is isn't just that they follow you blindly. Right. I mean, part of the trust is I I beg for feedback. I beg for conflict and for argument and – I want them to push back. I don't want to make bad decisions. Um, I want them to save me from bad decisions before I make them. For sure. <laughs> yeah, and so and so they know that they have a seat at the table, but they also know that once the direction is set, they can trust that that we we're all in it together. We're all completely aligned. If we need to pivot, we will pivot. Um, and and you know, and I've I've been able to do this for people that I work that I work for. There are those that I've, that I haven't trusted that's been, you know, you kind of have to plug your nose and follow and there's others that I've run through a brick wall for.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, and I think anybody would tell you that if you want to manage change, they have to believe that you are actually being honest. You're, you've got their best interests in heart and you're aligned. Nobody wants to help their boss buy a Ferrari. No one.
0: <laughs> um, I got a do. story about that. I'm going to share with you someday, Mark. When, yeah. we're having, when we're when we're someplace having lunch or something, I'm going to tell you my Ferrari story. I got a great one. But sounds good. You're dead on on that. Nobody wants to do that.
1: No, they don't work for our goals. They work for their own. And if you're smart, you can get them to work for the goals of their customer.
0: All right. So the first place that you had some massive change was you changed that that uh, delivery model, and they had to trust you to do that, and you did it, and now they're having success. The reason I want to go to the second one is, I, again, I, I'm having the benefit is I've met some of your leaders. I've met some of your people. I was really impressed, I mean, not just with your success and the numbers. I loved how you said, you know, revenue is interesting, but that's not the ultimate thing. Uh, I was really blown away by two things when I was able to meet some of your people. Number one was just how unified, like, everybody I met on your team was speaking the same language. It's like, it seems like you have a lot of role clarity, but the second thing that I was really impressed with was the strength of your leadership team that leads your team. I, I, I'm, I'm interested before we go into the other place that you had change, how did you develop such a good leadership team that helps you lead your Womplay team? Because every single high growth sales leader, they have to have those guys speak in the same language. How'd you do that?
1: Well, I was really fortunate that I inherited Chris Ofsted, who's probably the hardest working guy I've ever met. Uh, he's the guy that, you know, is turning on the lights in the morning and, turn him off for the evening and I practically have to beg him to stop working. Uh, and get he's to- amazing. Yeah. He's amazing.
0: I mm-hmm. met him and he's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's really special. He's, he's smart and he's honest and he's very true. People, people can, can buy into him. Um, I think he would tell you that with his a little bit less experience, he needed somebody to help him with some more strategy and some more execution. But honestly, all I was doing was, is really multiplying his force, not really, um, you know, coming in and and doing anything like that is special just for me. Then I empowered him to make some difficult leadership changes um, and let him know that that was okay. And that it, you know, it should always be difficult for you or else you've lost your soul. But in the end (laughs) you have to choose between uh, loyalty to failing leaders or you have to choose loyalty to a hundred people that um, follow that leader. And so um, we had to make some changes, and we had to bring in some different leadership and we also had to, to bring in a leadership team that complemented each other. so there I have some leaders who they just want to be told uh, they're marching orders and they 'll get it done. We have others that get heavily involved in strategy. We have others that are definitely the, the people um, and the people people leaders, and we have others that are the the real processors that want to think through, so we complement each other. Um, and make sure that we have every sort of leadership skill in the team at any given time. And then what we did was we we wanted to show the team that we truly were looking for internal promotions. Um, and so we identified some really amazing internal candidates and had the opportunity to promote them. In fact, I, I think I think we've done like thirteen promotions, and I think eleven of them are internal. Wow. Um, yeah, it's cool because you get to see them really progress in their career and um you know, sometimes it doesn't work out and, and other times, uh, or most times it, it does, but it just, they're just a good strong team and, and you can't grow without having solid leaders.
0: So you're building trust because people trust that you're going to help advance their career. Number one, they're making more money because you changed the delivery model, and they're making more money to have more success. Number two, they're having career opportunities because they're not seeing, you know, you're looking outside, you're looking from within first, and so you're developing these people. And number three, it, it occurs to me, Mark, they're not hearing different things from Chris or you or any of the others. you got a number of people that, that are all speaking the same language. Um, I think that's easy to say, and it's uniquely done by you. As you look at how you've done that, anything top of mind on uh, kind of one or two things that made it so that actually was able to thrive inside of Wonkley?
1: Yeah, I th- so I, I think I did, a lot of people will disagree with me on this because I think that Good. Sort of the new age yeah, the new age is that everybody should lead through consensus. And um, yeah. I, I, I always remember that quote, like, you know, search all the parks in the world, you'll never see a statue of a committee. I agree with <laughs> Like when when you take the, when you take the title and you take the paycheck, I think you have to accept that after you get the pushback and after you build consensus, the buck has to stop with you and that message must come from you. It's got to come from the top down and that message has got to be bought into by your leaders and it's got to get carried through. But I, but I also have to model that behavior. So for instance, um, I don't think you'll ever find my managers saying, "Guys, we have to do this because Mark says so." And I think I think you won't find them saying that because I will never say to them, "Hey, guys, we have to do this because Toby says so." Yep. We take accountability for our decisions and we forge ahead. And and I think that is what has kept our messaging relatively constant. Um, I think we also benefit from having a product that is is it really lends itself to having a consistent message. Okay. And so it, it goes all the way down through the sales process, but still we were actually, I'm actually really thrilled that you think we're consistent because the reason I want to bring your software on board is because I think we actually need help with that. I,
0: well, I'm just talking about. I watched your guys talking about strategy, the way that your your senior leaders were talking about things, which was what you talked about. And in fact, in a meeting that I've sat in with you, I watched how you guys were able to disagree, but then come to congr- to uh, all consensus on what you're going to do moving forward. And I get to work with leadership teams around the world, and I was super impressed with that meeting that we had. I I watched that happen. Like it's not always like that, so.
1: I appreciate. Yeah, I feel like if you're not yelling at each other every now and then, then you're doing something wrong. I mean, your
0: people should be—they should be really passionate. So, go ahead. No, so I'm I'm worried about time, and I just I don't want to skip two more things, Mark. Yeah, go ahead. You've done such. This has been awesome. I didn't expect to talk about trust. I really see that that's such a key ingredient for what you've done. Uh, Wompley, you've created this place where we're going to work hard. We're going to challenge each other, but we're going to trust each other that we're going to execute. Uh, I think that's, that, it screams at me. I want to then say, cause we only got a couple more minutes for where you start wrapping it up. Given all of these things, what would you say your biggest challenge was? Um, you look at back on the last 13 months, done amazing things, killer team, all kinds of subscription growth, all kinds of changes that you made. What's the biggest leadership challenge you've had to overcome? Um,
1: I think there's a couple of things. Number one, you have to have the courage to um, have deliberate plateaus. When you make change, you have to be willing to um, to enact the change and to make sure that you set up a framework where you know whether it does or doesn't work or whether you're just getting lucky. And that can be really hard to res- it, can, it can be hard to resist like exponential growth, but you have to. Because you can go out, you can sell, you can have an amazing uh, conversion rate on a new product from day one, and you just want to pour fuel on the fire, but you don't take the time to learn whether or not um, it's repeatable and scalable. So I think that's one thing that is really important. You've, you've got to make sure that your your growth is, well, it can, be, it can be explosive. It still has to be very deliberate. The other thing with leadership, the hardest thing for me, because I think it's been hard for people to convince me in my life is that my leaders are more capable than they think they are. I can't tell you how many times they are asked, you know, a, a young leader or even a veteran will ask for advice. And I think, man, they know this answer. Why aren't they believing in themselves? And so, so much of what I do, and I don't want to like give away a, a secret on, on, uh, hopefully they won't listen and, and know how I'm, I'm doing this, but, I spend most of my time when I interact with my leaders revealing to them that they already know how to do it, that they are smart enough, that they are courageous enough. And, you know, I had a a young manager come to me one time, and he was asking me questions about everything. And I said, you know what? I want you to do whatever you want to do to retain customers. You have no retention framework, nothing. Spend whatever you want to spend. Do whatever you want to do. Just every five customers you save, I want you to come and tell me what you did. Hmm. And he did that for 30 customers. And after the 30, I said, Devin, what did you learn? And he said, well, I learned that I made the right decision 29 out of 30 times, and the 30th time didn't really hurt us. <laughs> and I said, yeah, like, you, you, you're so good. Just believe in yourself. Yeah. You know, forge ahead. You, I'm I'm happy to help. I'm happy to help you strategize, and I'm honored that you think that I can help you, but I I don't want servants. Like, I'm not this great, strong leader that just needs people doing his bidding. You're on the team because I trust you. And so, you Mm. know, go forward with that belief in yourself. But, but Rob, I'm telling you, man, it's been hard for people to make me believe in myself, and so it can be really hard
0: to make others believe in them, uh, in themselves. That's why you see me shifting off some of the stuff that we thought we we're going to talk about because it's it's so interesting to me because when I meet guys like you that have that have created killer success stories, what made me want to start to show, Mark, was say, can we find out what the commonalities are? And Yeah, there are a lot of commonalities, but one of the ones that screams to me is your people really believe that you have their interests at heart, and it's not because you said so. It's because of what you had to experience from you, but also from guys like Chris and the rest of your team. And and I'm telling you, Mark, that is easier to say and harder to do because too often we want to control everything, don't we? And you you give up control so you can get control. What what I'm taking from you is that you've given up control so you can control the outcomes, if that makes sense.
1: It does, yeah. And it's scary to do, but if you actually want to make impact in this life, whether in your career or in your personal life, you, you've got to empower people to make their own changes and to believe in themselves. And it's really hard to do, but once you do, you actually know that you just, you actually improved the world. And I know that sounds a bit cheesy, but, you know, most of us are going to have pretty average lives and pretty average careers. If you can help somebody break a cycle in their life, in their career, or in their personal life, and start to believe in a, in a better version of themselves, then I think you can, you can live a life and say that you made a great impact.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. We were going to talk about all kinds of things. I'm going to have you come on again someday. We'll talk about when you launched your second division, your newest sales division and how that's kicking ass and, you know, faster than anybody else thought. We'll talk about that. But I think the bigger takeaway is for the leaders around the world to take what you just said there, Mark. If you can have people start to believe in a better version of themselves and trust what you're saying, it changes faster than any other sales tactic ever could. Yeah. I hope so. So I'm going to wrap up the way I always wrap up. I can't believe it. I, I tell everybody we're trying to do 25 to 30 minutes. We're already past 30 because you're so awesome. Thanks, huh. thanks so much, first of all. You got it. Um, you already answered my question on Biggest Sales Challenge. One of the things that I love, and you actually just made a killer LinkedIn post about this. Sales leaders are that are killing it, we have one thing in common. We like to find, you know, what's new, what's next, always be learning. That's mm-hmm. kind of one of the things. And I love the post you just said, hey, to all you people that are reading fifty books a year, I read twenty. It was a great post. I loved it. I thought it was, you know, made a great point. I don't care about how many books anybody's reading. What I want to know is for you and your career, what's a book or two that you've read that you say every sales leader ought to read?
1: Oh gosh, how do I pick? I mean, honestly my favorite one is a book called It's Not How Good You Are, It's How Good You Wanna Be it's like 50 pages and each page can be read in about five seconds, but it, it is, uh, it's written by Paul Arden, who is this genius ad exec and he just cuts to the heart of so, so much. And it's one of those things where you can just pick it up throughout your career and read one or two pages and, and they'll speak to you in a different way. It really challenges assumptions and helps you be creative. Um, But I'll just tell you one that I'm reading right now. Um, Well, I just finished 1776 by David McCullough, which talks about George Washington's leadership. And right now I'm reading um, Team of Rivals about Abraham Lincoln. And, you know, I think I'm, I've, I talk a lot about, I I don't really read sales and leadership books, but what I do try to do is read um, books where I can glean real life leadership from people and 1776 and Team of Rivals have just made an incredible impact on me over the last um, last few months just about you know realizing that you you don't you aren't going to have control over everything um you got to stick to your principles you got to empower your people you got to deal with some some real struggles Love it. but but you can you can do great things even with very very average um, upbringing and skills and that gives me a lot of a lot of purpose because um, contrary to a lot of people's belief, I don't I don't think that highly of myself. I think that I'm a work in process and I wanna change and I wanna get better. And so seeing that other great people from the past did just really gives me inspiration.
0: Those are great books. We'll get those on the library at our website. That's uh yeah. those will be good additions uh to what we have there. Mark, this has been really for me uh a great experience. You're you're having me think back now and say, what moves am I making to make sure everybody on my team doesn't just take me at face value, but they, at their core, they trust that what I have is their interests at heart. I, I think this is going to be a, a really important episode for everybody that listens to it. How, awesome. do they, how do they learn more about Womply? How do they learn more about you? How can they follow you? you got a ridiculous following of like 50,000 people already. How can the listeners here get more of you?
1: Uh, they can listen to your podcast. I mean, you're one of the best interviewers. No, honestly, but uh, people always ask me, like, how can they learn about me? Honestly, my LinkedIn feed is pretty much just a running stream of my, of my thoughts and my style. Um, and then just go to Womply.com and uh, we put out or follow us our LinkedIn page um, because we put out uh, a ton of, a ton of content and Womply, we may not be well known, but you know, we're in national publications almost every day because of uh, the data that we have on American small businesses and its impact on the economy. And I would just encourage people to never forget about Main Street. I know it's really exciting to make a $5 million sale and help a billionaire get richer, but um, you know our economy is, is built on the back of entrepreneurs who are starting small businesses. They are the main drivers of employment growth. And these people are really special. They care deeply about their businesses and about their customers. And I just hope that uh, more people will jump into the small business market and we can push each other to provide better products and services to what is a very underserved part of our economy.
0: Can't finish it better than that. Mark, you're amazing. You're fantastic. I, I cannot wait to get this, this live for our listeners. I want to thank you, first of all, for the great thoughts. Second of all, just for taking the time to be here. But mostly, I really feel, you don't like it when people say this, you do great things to help sales leaders around the world get better. And I want to thank you for that. Well, I'm honored
1: to be on this podcast. I'm honored to be a friend of yours, and I can't wait to start using your software.
0: And um, let's get together soon. Okay, buddy. Guys, He's Mark Smith. Up. He's making it happen. They're growing fast at Wampley. Uh, follow him on LinkedIn. Check him out on Wampley.com. Uh been a, my pleasure to be with you, Mark. Have a great day. Thanks, buddy. Hey, everyone. What a fantastic conversation. I hope you were as inspired as I was as we had this you know, it's, it's fun because as we get ready to break down this so what, I want to go to why we started this podcast in the first place. Our mission was to introduce you to high-growth leaders with high-growth practices. And high-growth isn't reserved just for young startups that are high-flying. High-growth means one simple thing. They take what the market gives and then some. They do more than what the market allows. They are market beaters. And so we've introduced you to leaders for really mature companies that are several hundred years old to Companies that are very young and emerging that are only maybe a couple years old and everything in between. And today we introduced you to one that is doing exactly that. Mark Smith has engineered a team that is smoking what the market gives. And as we start to talk about what it means to get into high growth mode, there's another whole movement about how do you stay in high growth mode. And I think the recipe for being in high growth is really simple. Amazing leaders have to build amazing teams that create amazing customer experiences around amazing products and solutions. And so if we can have that base in place, not only can we get there, we can stay there. But how do you stay there? I want to go to a different Mark now. Mark Benioff, the founder and CEO of Salesforce, has one of my favorite statements. He said, you, and by you he means leaders and companies, need to get to the future first, ahead of your customers, and be ready to greet them when they arrive. So we need to make sure that we're getting our companies and our people to the future So we can not only lead our customers and prospects there, we can welcome them when they finally decide to get there too. Now, what that means is we are always looking for that next future. We can't just get there and stay there because then we'll get passed up. In order to do that, we have to have a culture where we are on the lookout for change, we are trying to adapt, we are trying to change. And the only way that can happen is if you have the trust that Mark was talking about. And as I talked to him, all I could think of is, One of the reasons that Womply is able to be so successful is, yeah, they have a killer product. Yeah, they have a killer team. Yeah, I've watched their sales process. They create an amazing customer experience. But did you hear? They've made changes along the way. They're going to continue to get to the future first, and his team is all in because he's created this, this culture of trust. Mark's idea of trust is trust is the currency of relationships, and relationships are the currency of change. And if you can have those things in place, there's nothing you can't do. Now, you'll notice the very first thing he said was, I don't ask him to trust me. Womply promised number one of the five they make is, I will never ask you to trust me, but you will over time. And he said it worked really, pretty well for him. Instead, he shared some of what I call the Mark Smith beatitudes, the Womply kind of approach to building trust. You know, we believe in you. You're on the team because we believe that you can do the job. We trust you. And there's a number of things that, they, that they've that they chosen, you know, to help them be. You know, we will train you so you can be ready. We will equip you so you can be effective. We will compensate you so you'll be rewarded. You know, we will be with you every step of the way, but ultimately, they will know that we believe in them. And if you believe in them, ultimately, they'll believe in you. And this is the only way to create alignment. And I hope you caught what Mark said after that when he said, and if you're smart, you can align the interests of your teammates to the goals of your customers. And I think that that's what it really comes down to, is are we creating that alignment? And he gave us a few litmus tests. You know, you should ask yourself, do I have the kind of feedback that Mark talked about? Are people challenging? Uh, Are are, are we having the kind of focus that he talked about? And at the end of the day, when you get that trust, he talked about how it created unification and buy-in. And buy-in is not just blind servants. Buy-in comes as people feel like they're part of the process And then they're all in. And so I hope that that's what you can take away from this. Great leadership does not mean you put yourself on a pedestal. You know, my mentor taught me a long time ago, uh, leaders on pedestals just make easy targets. Instead, he's a leader that builds up those around him. He said the biggest challenge was getting people to believe in themselves. So I hope that you can do that. Look at your challenges. Can I get people to believe in themselves that this is the right process and we create a well-lit pathway into the future? So not only do your reps get there, but they're there to help welcome your customers and make sure they have that amazing uh, experience that will lead to not only being in high growth, but staying there. And with that, I hope you had a fantastic opportunity to learn from Mark. Uh, I would encourage you to follow Mark. I would encourage you to continue to follow all of these high growth leaders. And I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. And with that, I'd like to remind you, happy selling. And don't worry, we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at www.salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at www.exvoyant.com.